Happy Thanksgiving to the Glass of Joe viewers. Joe Malpa here alongside PJ Glasser. Day after Thanksgiving, we're recording this. You'll see this on Saturday, a couple days later. Starting to digest, barely. A lot, a lot more food than I should have had, PJ. And uh, took the advice of always, Tim Kirchin. I took the advice. La last night, last night around 9 o'clock, a little turkey sandwich with some mayo and some black pepper, just like he said, on a good roll. Hit the spot. Hit the spot. So it was good that we had him on last week. Got my, got my leftover ideas from him you probably were wishing you were watching some raven Steelers too while you were uh, I, I did yeah. i did wish that and, I, uh, I don't know i don't know it just sucks at this stage of the nfl season we'll get to that later but the one thing i did get to watch and i have been watching the last couple of days some college basketball we said last week it's back or it's coming back for this episode it's back yeah. east week it's, it's not the same as it it's not the same as it normally is um someone put it best uh, on twitter the other day i forgot who it was, it might have just been a random person. It might not have been a verified account. I just saw it, and I chuckled at it. Uh, it was basically this whole entire college basketball season is going to be like, hey, you want to play Tuesday? Sure, let's do it Tuesday. Your place or my place? Yours. All right, book it. Like that's, much. that's how it's going to be for the first few months of non-conference until we get into the more defined conference schedule. Right. Maryland just did it. They had a Monmouth game for yeah. December 1st canceled. They got on the phone that night. They had another game scheduled with Towson. So that's basically what it's going to be. So we can't really preview that kind of stuff, but – we can start talking about some players that we've got our eye on. And I'll let you start off, but I know I, there's a couple of guys that I'm really excited to see, and I have seen a couple of times already. Well, Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga has definitely uh, stood out. He is, he is good. Mark Few, he's the highest-rated recruit Gonzaga's ever had, and they're so good at getting guys into their system, developing them like their big man, Drew Timmy. You see mm -hmm. his development. But Suggs, I mean, five-star freshman right off the bat, and he is something else. So much hype around Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, and he's the real deal as well. But Suggs, these first two games, and because we got to see him against Kansas, an elite team, an elite defensive team yeah. they're supposed to be, and he was something else. Colin Gillespie of Villanova is another one. Jay Wright seems like he's always got himself good guards, and Gillespie really took that step last year. He's going to be really good. Big Ten, Io DeSumo, being a Big Ten guy as you are, loving yeah. the Terps, loving them too. Uh, we watch the Big Ten. Garza gets so much attention, but DeSumo is, is really something else. And Wisconsin too, Micah Potter, I'd watch out for him. They're a very experienced team too. I actually like Wisconsin to get to the Final Four. I think wow. this team, they're, they're really built this year. Pete Davidson back, Potter. Just their brand of ball. You know, every team's trying to go up-tempo, reinvent the wheel. But when you play Wisconsin in the tournament, it's so different than what you normally expect. And now they have the talent to go with it. I think they can be dangerous combo. And then Baylor is getting a lot of talk, too. Jared Butler, Mark Vidal, they're going to be really good as well. But Baylor is just one of those teams that I'm just not bought in yet. You know, until they really do it, I'm just – I'm not so It's like Oregon was for all that time. Right. Oregon for all those years was like, all right, cool. You're flashy. You look good. You beat it up on the Pac-12. Let's see you do it in March. And eventually they started to do it in March. Yeah. And did. I think that's where we're at now with Baylor, where we just want to see them take that next step. Right. And it's a shame, you know, we didn't get to see these teams in the tournament last year, so we don't know. But, uh, but yeah, Baylor's going to be really good as well. But I know it's two games, Joe, but Gonzaga watching that offense. And now that they finally have a star to go with it um, – they're going, to be, they're going to be tough to beat. But, again, in this season, you just don't know how many games yeah, teams are going to absolutely. play. And absolutely. it's just going to be such a crapshoot. They could be rolling, and then 
they could get COVID. They could be off for two weeks and it could mess up their whole rhythm. But, Some uh, under the radar names yeah. that I, I kind of like. I like, I mean, I don't know how this guy still fly under the radar, but Zagorowski at Creighton. I mean, that's a guy who's going to be a player in the country. For, yeah. Could be a contention for player in the year. I'm surprised you didn't even say yeah, it. Honestly, looking, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. Exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Michigan state. All the talk last year about Rocket Watts, he never really took that step. But the last month or so of the season, he started to kind of pick it up, pick it up. And I think another year with Izzo, and he'll take his game to a different level. Um, transfer that I love, uh, Marcus Santos Silva at Texas Tech from VCU. The guy was a walking double-double, and you know how Chris Beard is with getting transfers like that in, where he even takes their game to another level. Yeah. So I think I got Mac come McClung, in too, from Georgetown. Exactly. I was just going to say, another teammate transfer from the same – region of the country going yeah. out there now mac mcclung so texas Tech, as always with beard coaches is going to be fun to watch uh unc not the normal collection of guys we see from them but still a lot of talent looking forward to seeing them mm-hmm. and ruckers man my brother goes there now uh big 10 foe for maryland but they got a lot of talent geo baker ron harper jr uh miles johnson at center those are some guys i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from there uh, but it's it's going to be an awkward, fun ride for a couple of months. And and those are some of the names. Um, all the guys at Kentucky, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys there who you're going to see on primetime a lot who are going to be in talks for freshman All-American and stuff like that. There's there's a lot of talent on that. And look, it's a Coach Cal coached team. Right. There's going to be a lot of talent. And they all play off each other well on that team. So there's so much. It's it's weird. Like, I don't know how to describe it right now. It's like we've got college football on all day today and tomorrow. We've got the NFL yesterday and we got it this weekend. And now we've got college basketball. Here's the thing. This is the first time that we're getting hit with sports from all angles. And it's normal. This is normal. Like, this is the time of the year where these things start to overlap. And it's actually less right now because right now we usually also have the NBA and the NHL. So we're finally in a normal overwhelming period. But it's just even more overwhelming because you're, like, trying to keep track of it. And you're like, oh, they're playing today. Oh, no, wait, that game got canceled. Oh, they're playing this team now because they got moved from that game to this one. And they were supposed to be in the bad boy mowers thing, but now they're over here in the Bubbleville tournament. Like, Right. There's so many moving parts and you got games on that. It looks like they're playing at a high school gym, but they're still playing. Yeah. So it, it's, this is a normal busy, like this is the normal time of the year where these things start to overlap, but it's just more overwhelming than usual because there's so many more moving parts. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of how I'm feeling right now where I, I'm just feeling like waves crashing over my head and I got no clue what's going on, but it's fun. And your point to college football, like the iron bowls this week, but in it's rivalry week, so we should be seeing Ohio State, Michigan, but obviously that's not the case. And then the Pac 12 just started three weeks ago. So, like, you have certain big matchups that you always get on Thanksgiving, yeah. but then you don't get your full rivalry week. So, and we're waiting for the phone call at any moment of Cincy playing BYU in football. And, like, there's just hey. so much, it, it, it's so much to keep track of. It's not your normal defined Thanksgiving time of the year where it's like, all right, you know, you've got these three college basketball games. You know, you've got those four college football games. Here's your NFL slate for Thanksgiving. Oh, wait, now the Steelers and Ravens might play Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Oh, wait, because of that, the, the Ravens may no longer be on Thursday night football against the Cowboys next week. That might be next Monday. Like, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's too much to keep track. <laughs> they, it's so much. Yeah, college basketball, especially, I'm just joining as many games as I can get. 
once we get to March and the conference tournaments and uh, March Madness, they'll definitely make a conscious effort to put them in a bubble. Yep. So I think once we get there, we should be good. But especially with these non-conference games, as many as we can get, enjoy them because it could flip in the, you know. And that's the thing. This, this time of year, we, we're picking out usually non-conference games that we're excited to watch. We can't really do that because there aren't really defined schedules right now. So it's just such an odd, overwhelming time right now. But, hey, you know what? There's still college basketball on my TV. We just saw San Fran knock off number four UVA. It was your first big upset, yeah. Exactly. And that's good because San Fran's in the same conference as Gonzaga. So hopefully maybe they'll finally get some competition this season outside of BYU and St. Mary's. in Virginia, I mean, same old story. They, they don't score enough. They're, you know, they can be get beaten by anybody. Um, Absolutely. So nice and especially, especially in this year where we kind of anticipate craziness. And there's always craziness in college basketball. That's not, not that's nothing new. It's yeah. just crazier now than usual. I kind of want more upsets this year. I kind of want like total scorched earth <laughs> chaos. Like in addition to all the worldly factors that are affecting college basketball, I want like, Last year we had Evansville beat uh, Kentucky and we had SF Austin beat Duke in the same week. And, you know, I, I want that. I want all of those games. Not against Maryland. I, mean, I don't want Navy to beat Maryland today. Not, not right. stuff like that. But right. I want all those games to happen. I mean, you could get it. I saw Gonzaga today had two guys test positive, but they took separate planes over to Fort Myers and then they took separate buses and they're trying to keep as separate as possible. So – you know, if certain dudes who play are on those certain buses where guys have COVID, they might not play. So it's just, and then for the committee, like, how do you value that if a team beats so-and-so, but the, it's so much. The magic number, though, they said was 12. So as long as teams play 12 games, they will be in for the tournament. So that's the magic number that teams are looking to get. They got to feel like as long as we can get 15 to 20 games, the committee will give us a fair evaluation of what we got as long as we're at full strength as much as we can. And Hopefully everybody gets to that number and everybody's, you know, able to play in the tournament. Yeah. And the added element of just chaos right now uh, on the college football side, and we'll get into that more in a minute, but while we're figuring out all this stuff about who's playing where and when in college basketball, this is like you said, usually rival week, rival rivalry week. There we go in college football. And we're a week away from conference title games and then the Heisman and then bowl season. Well, now like, you look at the ACC and they've got like games on like December 5th, 8th, 11th, 13th. And it's like all the way, like when is bowl season even start? I don't know which bowl games are even happening. I don't know. Right. I don't know any of this stuff right as now. We, as we were actually just coming on to record, I saw something on Twitter that dropped like five minutes ago that Bama is supposed to play LSU now next week. Oh. And then, but Bama was scheduled to play Arkansas. So I mean, it's just, I mean, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Um, you know, but I, I think the teams, but Cincinnati BYU needs to happen. Got to happen. Teams especially are after, especially after the rankings came out. And I don't want to, again, jump into too much that we're going to do after our interview. So I'll leave it at that. And you know what? Yeah. Before I, I'm, before I spoil anything, I'm going to shut my mouth. Right to Q. Absolutely. Just right to Q. Right to Quentin Mayo, right to, our guy yep. for the interview. And then we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings afterwards. There's too much college going on. I want to spill one into the other. <laughs> well, let's cut myself off right now to Quentin Mayo in the interview. Our guest for the week goes by one letter, Q, Quentin Mayo, co-host of the Wizards Outsiders. We're very happy to see you, man. It's always great when we have a former or current 
I guess with the situation, NBC Sports Washington, Kyle, like, I don't know what PJ and I count as anymore right now, but in and out, hopefully back soon. But uh, hopefully, so, hopefully. always, always great to, to have somebody on. We've had a couple on already. Glad to have you now. I know you've been super busy with everything going on with free agency and the draft colliding. Yeah. I guess this is your this is your welcome to the to the big leagues moment here. You've got uh, yeah you've got everything happening at once. Um, what's it been like for you? Just being crazy busy with all these things happening at once right now in the NBA. It's been hectic, man. And um, in typical Wizards fashion, they zigged when everybody zagged in the draft. So that was just the entire process in itself of, oh, you're going Denny Avdia here? Oh, I need to learn more about him and just reporting that. And then they seem to take another foreign guy in the second round. And then like, no, we're going to take Cassius Winston. It's been so crazy in the Davies Berton situation and just so many things going on. But it's definitely been fun. And that's one thing I love about what we do is that, you know, no matter how many hours we might spend away from family or, you know, time just grinding it after the, the end of the day, when you lay your head down, like, bro, that was a long day. You at least have fun doing it. Like I can talk basketball all day long. So it's never, it's never like a job. It's literally like a dream to talk sports every day. So. There's something different about, you know, and, and with no offense to like accountants or something, there's right. something different about, having to lay your head on the pillow at night after a long day of crunching numbers or a long day of working the phone, seeing if John Wall's going to get traded for Russell Westbrook. or something. Exactly. You know? I buried the lead. I didn't even talk about that, but yes, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, we'll get to all that. We'll get to yes. PJ's about to get into all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So Q, before we get into free agency and draft, got to talk Wiz, got to yeah. talk Wall and talks have sort of cooled down a little bit with the trade rumors. Mm-hmm. Tommy Shepard kind of came out when was at the head of the storm saying, no, like we want to keep John. So I think definitely the percentage of what we thought maybe would happen of him getting traded has come down a little bit. If you had to put a number though on it of John getting traded, what, what is it at? Is it 2080? Oh, I mean, right now, especially what, What's today? It's almost December. Camp starts this week actually. Or next week. This is Friday. So yeah, camp starts next week. I don't, know if there will be a move made uh i think it could have been a f- when the when the reports first came out it was definitely 50 50 it was 50 50 and, and that's huge for a guy of john's magnitude uh, mm-hmm. anything over like 10 percent for yeah. john Wall is, is a huge big deal so um definitely when the reports first came out it was it's a toss-up because john was upset you know obviously uh ted leones has felt some type of way about you know what john has been doing with his time away from the court and at parties and things of that nature. And also you have the, the pressure of we need to keep Bradley bill in DC. He should have been all-star should have been the all NBA player last year. And this is a guy that is the future. I mean, he's, he's, it's just a reality of the situation. So all those things kind of came to fruition at one point where it's like, dang, do they really have to move on from John? But as time progresses and, you know, uh, Tommy did say that he spoke with John and, you know, uh, John didn't mention anything about it and all these things. It's, it's also silly season. So, you know, you don't have to believe everything you hear. But I definitely feel like they at the end of the day, the premise was to run it back, whether they explore trades for him or not. At the end of the day, I think the main goal was to see what John and Brad can do together at least one more time. Now, prior to this season starting at this point, I mean, you've, you've Tommy's spent too much time putting out fires to, to not at least get them back on the court. Um, now, you know, 10, 15 games to the season, who, who knows what this team is going to look like. But once we get to the season, I think it's more likely, depending upon how the team progresses and what they do on the court. But I was just going to ask think, that. Yeah, that, I think that's exactly camp, what I was going to ask. Yep. I was just going to say, think, before yeah. PJ gets into the Breton stuff, I was going to say, do you think maybe 
after 25 games, could they move him after they see how John and Beal are playing together again? Maybe then do they say, all right, maybe we can move on from him. Yeah. I mean, if he balls out, then absolutely. Uh, but it's, it's a weird situation because there's only a handful of teams he can go to, honestly, without going the whole, yeah, the contract is so, so large. And I think his stock was higher when it was kind of an unknown and and I'll explain, you see the videos, you see the pictures, you know, he's playing with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, uh, all the all the top tier players, James Harden, PJ Tucker, and he's still holding his own out there. Yes, it is pickup, but it's still I can't go out there and, and play with PJ Tucker and be formidable. John Wall still can do that. He's at least shown that. So I think his stock was at the highest of like an unknown. Oh, he looks to be healthy. Let's give him a shot fresh into a new scenario, in a new situation, like maybe a Houston or New York. But now if you go 10 games into the season, so many different things can happen. One, he can look like trash. There's sure. a possibility <laughs> that can happen nobody's going to trade for him at that point right. Two, He could get re-injured. No, I mean, knock on wood here. I would hate for that to happen. You know, I'm a huge, I'm looking at a John wall screensaver right now beside you guys. So like, <laughs> that's, that's my guy. So he, he could run the risk of getting injured again. Then what happens? You definitely, you definitely can't trade him. You can't do all these things. And then you got three, you know, what if they are good and, and they do gel, it's just so many different factors, but I think all things are on the table. But if you go 15, 20 games and he looks decent, but they're also losing games, I think that's like the dream, quote unquote, scenario uh, if you were looking to move him. Now, Q, you look at Bertans, and I Mm. feel like a lot of people that don't maybe follow the NBA or especially the Wizards saw that this man got five years, 80 million, and they're like, what are they doing? But Bertans is one of the best shooters in the NBA. And at that size, his value is just so important. You talk about Wall, too. I feel like, you know, Tommy and Scott Brooks, they want to see Wall with Bertans and just all the opportunities. So sitting here right now, we know Bertans is signed. He's ready to go. Had the Wizards lost him, the free agency, Mm. how huge would that hit have been to them? Uh, I I think it could have gone two ways. For me, one, depending upon the moves that came after, if they were to lose him, it could have still been a positive because you're paying him a, about $16 million a year. Mm-hmm. And also without Jan Mahimi's contract on the books, you could have used that money to get you maybe a, a better big man, not saying that Robert Lopez isn't good, but maybe a better big man that was younger, maybe for the longer, t- the long haul, maybe like a Nerlens Noel or Willie Cully Stein and things of that nature. You could have spent money in other places, but being able to bring him back. I mean, he's basically a seven footer that's, shooting eight three-pointers yeah. a game and knocking down over 45%. Like, that is insane for any player ever. Like, that's awesome. So you also have to think, the scout report last year was two things. And early it was just, stop Bradley Bill, you're going to win. Then it would, as the season progressed, like, oh, stop Bradley Bill. And Davies Bertans is obviously the second best player on the floor. So it was a lot of defenses had to attack him. I remember against Charlotte, they were picking Davies up half court and he didn't even have the ball. <laughs> so now think about having a guy in John Wall who's over his career averaged 38 minutes per game. He's a walking at one point, a walking 20 and 10. Like it's, it's nothing to him. Now you can't just face guard Davies and, and Bradley Bill and shut them down. You got a guy who makes his living off of assisting others. And now imagine how a fresh Davies Bertans would look in the fourth quarter, a fresh Bradley Bill, those two guys that don't have to take the lion's share of, of the responsibilities on offense. You got a point guard that can just draw everybody in and kick it out to Davies wide open. Like, it's crazy. Otto Porter was 
the oh, beneficiary <laughs> of that. Otto Porter has one of the most horrendous contracts we've seen in NBA history. Yeah. And why is that? John Wall got him paid. He just stood there, he shut up, and he shot the ball when he had the chance. And he got 100 mil. So if Davies can get, you know, 80 and stand there and be a better shooter than, than uh, Otto Porter, in, in figuratively speaking, it should work. Now, who knows? what ha- You got to go out there and play the game. But on paper, what they have built so far on the offensive side of the ball, and I say offense because not a lot of defense, but not on the offensive side of the ball. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, looks, it looks good. But we, just, we have to see what it looks like on the floor. Now you said they zigged when everybody zagged. They took Denny at nine. What, who is he? What, what can you tell us about him? Who's his player comp? I, I feel like this guy was thrown out there a lot throughout mm-hmm. the entire offseason. Uh, you had former foreign players from the NBA, like chiming in to talk about him, that he'd be a great fit with the Warriors. He'd be a great fit here. And there was all this talk about him, but not a lot of people actually knew a lot about him. They just mm-hmm. kind of heard these different things from different people. So what can you tell us about him? Uh, he's from Tel Aviv and he's he's swaggy. That's my first <laughs> that's my first impressions of him. Um, but honestly, I remember the pick. Uh, well, I'll even go back to maybe in the pre-draft process, especially early in mock draft season. A lot of guys were just saying it immediately foreign guy. Has some height, some size and can do a lot of things on the court. Everybody says Luca, Luca. Oh, my gosh, Luca. Look at this step back. He did just like Luca. I don't know if he's a Luca because Luca can has been able to shoot way better than um, Denny has overseas. However, I talked to one agent who was so, so complimentary of the pick, saying that they were, he's basically a better version of Goran Dragic. And I'm like, okay. if okay. you could be a better version of Goran Dragic, like, the Wizards have a steal. Like, and this is a guy who was projected to go in the top five at one point, and he did fall to nine. And Tommy Shepard and that staff, I mean, they might spend more time overseas than they do in the States, scouting for international prospects and and things of that nature. So I will say I didn't have the most in my toolbox about him. And nobody, anybody that tells you they knew a lot about Denny Abdiya. That's what I'm saying, exactly. They're, they're lying. Exactly. They're, right. they're lying. <laughs> like the, nobody was thinking about Denny Abdiya coming into yeah. the draft, especially with him being projected so high in Washington got not. Um, but as I've watched a lot of his games, I think he's an underrated defensive prospect. I think he has the length and the, the smarts and the effort has shown that he could be a, a decent team defender. I don't know about a lockdown one-on-one defender, but he could definitely, you know, play team defense better than your average um, three or four guy. Uh, his shooting mechanics, and the more I've watched him, I saw him working out in Atlanta and things of that nature. His shooting mechanics are really good. And he has such a smooth stroke in it, and he shoots it with confidence where I'm like, how did you only shoot 55% from the free throw line in the early, like something's not adding up, but he did say it's because he was growing so rapidly that he couldn't even really get a feel for his form because his limbs just keep, you know, expanding. So I think I honestly, in a nutshell, I think that he will be exactly what this team is looking for in terms of he's going to work hard. He's going to fly around and play with his hair on fire. He's got confidence. He's going to play his role and know his role. And he's, able to do so many things well he can pass he can I think I think the shooting woes and people think he's not I think he will be able to shoot in the NBA I just seen too many form shooting videos <laughs> of him and just seeing the step back and and all these things I think he'll be just fine but it's up to Scott Brooks it's up to Scott Brooks to be able to get these guys together and and he has his hands full because not only are you getting Denny Avdia but you also have to work back in a five-time all-star that hasn't played in over 700 days. Like that's, that's no easy task for any coach in this league. And you got to do it in a month, in a month, in a month, in a month. Nope. And there's, and also for Denny, there's no summer league. 
No preseason. There's no preseason. Or they might have like a couple preseason games right. on the week of the 11th, but nothing crazy. And then you're right. Like yeah. we, and, and you, it's a shortened season. So on top of all these things, like, like the NFL, no OTAs, on top of all these things, it's a shortened season. Now you don't really have the five to 10 game grace period. You're either good now or you're not. And the East is getting so good. The Hawks, all these bottom feeder teams in the East that look like they just weren't going to be anything. They're all getting better. It's not going to be a cakewalk to get into the A seed anymore. Like you have to be really decent in the Eastern conference. Absolutely. Now, if you were the GM sitting there the other night, Mm. uh, looking at the board, who was there at nine, uh, would Danny have been your pick? I know me personally, as a, as a non-Wizards fan who has a lot of friends who are Wizards fans, I was sitting there and thinking Tyrese Halliburton or something. But mm-hmm. if you were the GM sitting there, would he have been your pick? No, no. And, <laughs> and I don't know if that's going to make headlines or somebody's going to be mad at me for saying that. Nobody other than Tommy Shepard and, and that staff in there was okay with taking Denny. And, and it's just it's the thing. Look at what the team needs. Thomas Bryant, great guy. I talked to him yesterday on Thanksgiving. He's going to save me a plate. Awesome guy. But he's not a defender. This is a team that was historically bad on defense last year. They gave up the most points per game that we've ever seen in the history of the association. That needs to be addressed. Now, can Thomas Bryant improve in that area? Absolutely. Is he young enough to do that? Absolutely. But last year, that got hampered by injury. This year, you want to win now. And this is a season where keeping Bradley Bill is a priority. You want to get all the pieces you can to plug and play and help this team right now. And the most glaring issue was a defender and a rim protector. There was Jalen Smith there who was getting a lot of love. He went 10, mm. 10. He went right after Denny FD in the draft. Who knows how this is going to play out in the long run, but you wanted somebody that can rim protect and be a guy that can set screens and roll and catch lobs and, and be that big man that John Wall and Bradley Bill need. Jalen Smith went 10. So I think I would have went Jalen Smith or even trading back for like a precious Achua. Onyeka uh, Okongwu was off the board at the time. He also has that fractured toe, but I definitely think a big man, to address that need would have been number one of my priority. But Tommy Shepard called us awful. He said, you know, and this is, it's, it's still silly season, but he said he told every free agent that Thomas Bryant is our starting center. And, and that's, that's it. I don't know if that's just a vote of confidence for him heading into a really important season, but it's obviously something that they have seen and that they believe that Thomas Bryant is good. And Robin Lopez is a defensive anchor as well. Now he's not a starting caliber defensive anchor anymore, but he can definitely push Thomas Bryant in practice push him in camp, teach him some of the tricks of the trade. He's 33 years old. Uh, he'll be 33, excuse me, in a couple of weeks from now. Um, but yeah, Robin Lopez is a nice, he's a better bench piece and a better bench big than what they've had in like Jan Mahimi and uh, Anches Possessionics, even though I'm I'm Anches' biggest fan. He's, he's a decent piece. So I would have went with a big man, probably like Jalen Smith. I think Sticks would have been awesome. And they, they have something about drafting local guys, like that local market. Yeah. You yep. want to go a local kid like that. That would have been just a match made in heaven, but we'll see what happens. But that's, that's probably what I would have went, Jalen Smith. And then Q, in the draft every year, it seems like there's a guy who just falls into a perfect situation. Like he gets selected by a certain team and you're like, that's a good fit. So was it Jalen Smith to the Suns at 10? Was it Halliburton to the Kings at 13? Who was the guy, when you think back to the draft, that mm-hmm. got selected and you're like, that was a good pick by them? Oh, man, I, I might have used all my words on Jalen Smith. I think that was perfect <laughs> yeah. because they have DeAndre Ayton there, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Monty Williams is the coach. That situation, oh, it's, it's, it's just beautiful because now also the team, that Phoenix team doesn't have 
high expectations, but they kind of have high expectations. You can see when they went to the bowl and didn't lose a game, they should have been in the postseason. They're ready to take that leap. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he can go there, anytime you can put players under Chris Paul to learn how to be... Look at the Thunder last year. Look at the Thunder, exactly. Just to learn how to be a professional, learn how I should prepare, learn how I should... And he was already a great kid at Maryland. Like I was there. I was there. I saw it firsthand. You know it. You know it. I jumped off my couch when I saw that they picked him because I knew that was a perfect fit. How hyped would you have been if he went to D.C. or if he came to D.C.? I probably would have been more hyped if he went to the Wizards. Again, not a Wizards fan, but from in the area a lot, friends who are... But seeing him go to the Suns, that was – I got hyped. I wanted OBQ. That was when the Knicks took him. I was like, I yeah. would like the OB. And I think the thing about OB was – one big thing that I've seen from this front office is that they want their guys to know that they're the guy. Mm. And I'll say that to say this. Yes, Denny, that selection is a little overlap with like a Troy Brown Jr. Um, position – but I don't even know if they're completely sold on Troy Brown. You know what I'm saying? But like mm. your established guys like a John Wall, they're not going to draft a point guard that can compete with him. So the whole Cole Anthony and all that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, at the two position, we don't have to talk about that. It's Bradley Bill. Yeah. At the three, it's kind of like, well, none of these guys are established. The four, they drafted Rui for a reason. They want, they think Rui's the future, a big piece of them moving forward. And at the five position, uh, they, they obviously believe in Thomas Bryant to that extent. So, it's they like they like to have guys know you're the guy and let's move forward. So drafting a big maybe would have stepped on the toes of that maybe or uh, in terms of uh, Obi Toppin uh, maybe taken away from the progress that uh, Rui would have gotten this year. So I probably would have went Jalen Smith and I think he had a perfect a perfect situation like we were talking about with the Suns because that team is going to be good. He gets to learn from DeAndre Ayton and really Chris good. Paul and Booker and and Coach Monty Wood. Like it's just. It's just lovely over there. It is. And now looking at the top of the draft, Edwards, Wiseman, LaMelo, we knew they would go top three. We just didn't know what the order would be. So when you look at these guys, Q, projecting them, who do you think has the best chance to be a star and flourish in the role with their team? Uh, Wiseman. Like, what better situation is that, honestly? Like, maybe I should have changed that guys. answer. Yeah, he's he's going to Golden State, a team that's been desperate for a big. They get him there. They're not pressed. They're pressed to win because they've had success. But it's not like he has to be forced into a role like in Charlotte or these other teams that need to win now, and you're the rookie that's going to be all on your back because we drafted you this high. No, you're the rookie, but you're going to learn from Steve Kerr, Kevin Durant, not Kevin Durant, excuse me, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, even though he's not playing. Uh, really established front office championship pedigree just play your role just play your yeah. role now now you'll be a star playing your role instead of having to force things like you might have to see from an Anthony Edwards or LaMelo of like trying to do too much all he's going to be asked to do is move off the ball set some screens grab rebounds easy buckets and he can also shoot so in his shooting isn't incredible but his shooting it's promised there. So what better way for a stretch big and a unicorn type big at this, this generation to learn from two of the best shooters that the NBA has ever seen. Like it's, it's per- and Steve Kerr is one of the best shooters in NBA history. Right. He can teach him a, a thing or two. It's, I, it's great for him. I felt so bad for clay when he got oh, hurt. That oh, was man. just one of those notifications you got. And you're like, even from the jump you kind of knew like when it first came out and they said, yeah, you know, we're still trying to figure out the severity. You kind of knew like, you unfortunately it's, it's expected the worst, just the way right. they awarded it. You Sucks. unfortunately expected the worst. Yeah. And I, I was almost a little bit surprised to see them 
not take a flyer on LaMelo in that situation after, but Wiseman's was a perfect fit. And, and I think they, they can't really, LaMelo, they LaMelo there would have been, would have been, been, would have been fun. Oh. That would have been the fun pick. That would have been, been fun. And pick. I think he, like you, to your point, he could have definitely learned so much Absolutely. from playing Steph. Like mm. who knows? And when, Clay, what, and when Clay comes back, hopefully next year, you can right. see all three of them fitting together. Right. They, they could all play together, I think. So, but who it, knows how been, much better like, the fun pick. <laughs> what is his ceiling? If and I think he's still going to be an awesome player in this league. Don't get me wrong. But what is the mellow ceiling from getting drafted by Charlotte to being drafted by Golden State? I use a quote from his his new owner. The ceiling is the roof. In that the in ceiling that is the roof. Good old MJ, <laughs> one of the best players of all time. Not one of the best GMs. I'll just not, not at all. Yeah. But but that transitions well into what I was going to ask you next. We get into free agency. One of the big things that happened was Gordon Hayward opted out. He signed in Charlotte. They tried to get him a few years ago. So it wasn't necessarily a marquee free agency. It was more kind of like, what was that, year 2017 when it was a lot of second-tier guys that were getting first-tier money? Big bags. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of them. And, and that's what we kind of saw this year. And it was quick. So with all that in mind, do you think a team clear-cut one free agency? Or was it just a lot of nice little pieces where nothing really stood out? Uh, a team that won free agency in my eyes is – the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. And I mean, I wish I had this tweet up and I, I'll just try to get off the top of the dome. But if you look at that team from top to bottom, the, the finishing touch was the qualifying offer that they extended to Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Kings did a reverse auto porter and said, okay, y'all can pay him, whatever, take him," And they got him. So they got a Trey Young, they got Rondo, they got Bogdan, they've got Herter, they've got Collins, they've got Cam Reddish, they've got um, my guy at UVA. Uh, the big Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, a uh, big guy, Clint Capella. Yeah. They've got they've got so many pieces, and now it's a good mix of veterans like a Rondo who has championship pedigree, two championships, can help Trey Young. They drafted Okongwu and Okongwu and Okongwu. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That team, I think that team has had <laughs> the most incredible offseason, and it's always good to see a team like the Hawks, like the Suns who were considered bottom feeders, but something changed, something switched, switched, whether it was ownership, whether it was management, coaching, they're making smart moves. And that now that Hawks team is so, so young, but also they have the ceiling out of this world. They can also progress with, with the veterans that they have on that team. That Hawks team, to me, they're the, they're the big winners this offseason. One of the other teams that gets talked about is the Lakers. They – out of nowhere, oh. steal Montrez from the Clippers. No, that's fraud. That's fraud. Trade. That's fraud. That, like they, I, I need an investigation. Yeah. I need an investigation under that. How did they – they lost KCP. Did they lose KCP? No, they got KCP. Yeah. No, they, they kept KCP. They yeah. lost Danny Green, right? They lost they Danny they Green. They gave up Danny Green. Yeah, and it. Rondo. They, and Rondo. And they get freaking Schroeder Wesley Matthews and, and Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> like that's cheating, bro. And and all for nothing. No cash, no real money being spent. That's what I was gonna ask you. Now, is it is it a wrap unless Brooklyn somehow gets hard in or or out of nowhere, I don't know, Beal goes somewhere like unless another team makes a massive colossal trade, is it a wrap? Is it a repeat? Nobody's beating that team. Nobody's beating that team. And we didn't even talk about the fact that they stole Montrez Harrell from across <laughs> the locker room. Montrez <laughs> Harrell? Like what? That team, yeah, that team, and I already said. If everything stays the same, it's Lakers and it's Brooklyn. I think that Brooklyn team, 
talent only takes you so far. You do need some good coaching. I don't know about Steve Nash, as but, they're, but they're coach. all coaches. Don't forget, they're all, like Kyrie said. They're they're all coaches. They it's are, all, and Nash. that's that's what's a little nerve wracking because I'm like, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies going on in that locker room. But that that team is the the most talented, I believe, in the Eastern Conference now. Milwaukee, yeah, they still have the MVP in Giannis, but. Yeah, they just don't they underperform in, in playoffs and they don't have enough pieces around him. Now the Sixers are interesting too, because now they have Danny Green, who's a shooter. They have they have some and some new ownership. They got Maury over there as the not ownership, but uh GM. So it'll be interesting, but I think it's gonna be Lakers Brooklyn. If KD is just we we haven't seen KD in a year, but on all accounts, even John's trainer Alex McLean said he's seen Kevin Durant and he's like, Yeah. That 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 guy's still good. He's still one of the best. And they got so much other talent too, with Lavert and Levert. Dinwiddie and yeah. Allen. Back Joe Harris. Joe Harris, yeah. yeah, so many guys. So yeah, many. yeah. Um, RQ. Now, last question for you before we get into our two final segments. We got okay. a rapid fire segment for you and a trivia question. But before okay. that, just a fun question for you: If you Q were GM and you had the chance to get any player to bring to the Wizards for the next five years, who would you bring? Any player to the Wizards for Any the next player. Five. Now, LeBron might be the easy answer, but the next five years. So, right. LeBron maybe gets two good years. So, next five years, who would you bring with this team that you think would mesh the best? Oh. So, so as currently constructed. Correct. As currently constructed. So, they'd play with Wall, Beal, Bertans, as constructed. Oh, man. Uh. uh okay, I'm going to go with. I'm gonna go with Luca, man. Really? All right. Luca, he's just Luca is so good. Luca's who, who I think the answer is for if you were starting a franchise today, who's your pick? But I didn't necessarily know if you'd go that route if he'd step on the toes. If you think he and Beal and Wall could all play together, that was my yeah. thing. I wasn't sure. I thought you'd go Durant. Right? If, if KD is himself, I mean, he just yeah. fits so well with the with the role. But see, here's my thing with Luca. Whatever happens, happens. Like if I'm the GM, I'm looking at John Brad and Luca. I'm like, look, guys, figure it out. Figure it out. Like, <laughs> just figure it out. No, everybody put your pride aside. You guys are the three best players in the world. Yes, yes, somebody's gonna get the ball more than the other person. It might be John's night this night, Brad's and Luca and ball handlers. Uh, I'm gonna try my best as a GM to put y'all in the right situation. Y'all go figure it out because this is a for everything. Five years of Luca and D- oh my gosh, ticket sales through the roof. Mark Cuban has something special up there. I, that's all I can say. <laughs> Do you think they're the Lakers' biggest threat? Is it still the Clippers or is it Dallas here? I don't believe in the Clippers, but they've been weirdly quiet this offseason. Like, they, they're still together, except for Montrez, but they still got Pat Bev and Lou Will and, and PG and, and, uh, and Kawhi. Maybe they swing a trade that we don't know about here soon. I don't know, but that, that Dallas team looks – if healthy, because remember what they did in the postseason. Absolutely. Porzingis was hurt. So was and Luca was hurt. <laughs> yeah. And right. Luca was hurt. And they right. were still giving the Clippers some bump to where people were like, oh, mm. you know, the Clippers going to get past them. So I, I think Dallas is definitely up there as one of their biggest threats. Yeah. Denver. Oh, solid. and Portland. The I'm West sorry. I, didn't even talk I was, about I was, Portland. I was just going to say people are sleeping on Portland. I don't understand it. My brother and I made a bet. My brother thinks that there's a better chance that they are a seven or an eight seed. Than a, uh, excuse me, he thinks there's a better chance they miss the playoffs than are a top six seed. And I'm like, that's a free 20 bucks for me. So I made that bet. I, sorry, they added hey, sorry. Covington. They added Covington. Well. 
that team, team is so good. That they, team is really good. They are really good, and yeah. Dame Lillard is a bad man. <laughs> um, Swift 7Q. All right, so I'll ask you four rapid-fire questions. Joe will ask you three, and then Joe will give you a trivia question. Number Let's one, better NBA career, Isaac Okoro or Obi Toppin? Woo! I'm going to go Obi Toppin. Number two, your pick for the rookie of the year is? Denny Abdia. <laughs> I like the homer pick. Wait, wait. <laughs> Number three, Wizards win total right now in Vegas is 28 and a half. They going over or they going under? Under. Okay. And number four, which re-signing did you like better for their respective team? Did you like the Raptors hanging on to Van Fleet, or did you like Bertans coming back to the Wiz? Van Fleet. I, th- I think that he definitely was a guy that if they lost him, they had no chance at anything. So bringing uh-huh. him back was really, really good for them. I'm with you. All right, fill in the blank. The Wizards' season will be considered a success if blank. If they win seven of their first – 10 games. Okay. NBA game you are most looking forward to this season, whether it's an opening day game, Christmas day game, is there a specific matchup you're looking forward to most? The first game John Wall touches the floor for the first time in 700 days. <laughs> there That's you the go. game I'm looking forward to. And last one, we're recording this on Friday. We're releasing it on Saturday. So we're a day removed from Thanksgiving. What's your favorite dish? Oh, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> That's Easy. a good one. Easy. <laughs> Very nice. All yeah, right, Joe. So you go ahead and ask the trivia question. I got the timer all locked and loaded. All right, PJ oh, cooked up a good one for you. You got 90 seconds or three strikes. Since 2010, the Wizards have had only nine draft picks who have played a game for them. A lot of guys who stayed overseas, didn't make it, traded, whatever. But nine guys who have played a game for the Wizards. Give me seven of the nine, excluding Denny, because obviously he hasn't played yet. <laughs> all right. Here we go. You got John. One. One. Bradley Bill. Two. Two. Kelly Oubre. No. Uh, Kelly. Yeah. Ke- uh, Kelly, yes. Since right. 2010, a player that has yeah, played yeah. for was ever drafted, right? I didn't write down Kelly, but that is 100% one. So, yes, three. <laughs> Kelly Oubre. You got Otto Porter. Yes. Uh, You've got uh, – wait, why am I – oh, Rui Hachimura. Correct. What I need? One more? Uh, Three more. You said Seven. Seven. What I got? So there are actually ten now because of Kelly, but you just give a seven, so three more. Uh, about fifty seconds left, so you got plenty of time. Who was that? Who was that year with uh twenty since twenty ten? Why am I? Who was eleven? Bill thirteen, twelve, Kelly. Oh, they missed a lot. <laughs> what year was Vesley? Definitely the county's good. Twenty eleven. Go. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, let me let me try to. So you need two more. You got thirty seconds left. <clears throat> okay. Oh, I said. Did I say Troy Brown Jr.? You did not. One oh, more. That's my guy. I feel disrespectful for not saying one that. more. Troy Brown, and I got yep. one more. Oh no, PJ, he's got seven. That's seven. Wall, I get, I'm at Vesley. eight now. Yeah, you're good. He's good. Wall, Vesley, Beal, Otto, Troy, Rui, and Kelly. That's seven. Well done, Q. <laughs> Kelly threw me I'm off. I'm just going to go for the home run. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> nice. Who did I miss, though? So, Otto, 2013. I said, said Otto. Okay, said Otto. PJ, where is he today? That trip to fan got you yesterday. Come man. on, P. Did, he get, did you get Sato? Sato, you didn't I did get. not. You didn't get Sato. PJ, I got this. Hold on. I'll take, a, take a second, man. <laughs> you, he, you, didn't get, you didn't get Shelvin Mack, Chris Singleton, or Sato. Those were the three you missed. Yeah, well – 
it's probably three guys that I've eliminated from my from my memory <laughs> for, a for reason. A good reason. For a reason. But the big thing here is from tw- after Otto in thirteen, the next Wizards draft pick that played for them didn't happen till eighteen. Right. And a big gap there. That's big a huge gap. gap. Damn, that website didn't have Kelly, but like. Uh... I don't know how they missed that. You know, I can't forget Kelly. That's my that's my love. That's my first so love. did the but wait, did the Wizards did they draft him? Oh, he was traded to him, wasn't he? That's it? a good point. He was drafted by um it wasn't it wasn't that. Was it OKC or somebody? I think he was traded to the Wiz. Right, I'm gonna let that slide. I think slide, it was Atlanta though. because or somebody that it was a Jerry and Grant for Kelly Oubre swap. He was selected night. by the Hawks. I'll let the that Hawks. slide. I'll let that slide because of the NBA's stupid rule. Right, right. So that's, that's, why, I that's yeah. why I didn't okay. show. That's why I didn't show. I'll let right. that slide. Because technically is, – is that, is that the dumbest rule in most of sports? <laughs> it's, it's definitely up there because Cassius Winston <laughs> isn't the Wizards draft pick. It's actually like the veto guy I, I broke in – but still, he's never. He was actually drafted by Oklahoma City, but he will never. I hate it. I hate it. You get you get so many guys. Uh, this it was different this year because the draft picks were home and they got all the updates from Shams and right. from Oge and they knew where they were going. But when you're when you're there on draft night, like we don't have a picture of Luca in a Mavericks hat. We have a picture of him in a Hawks hat. That's and, crazy. And vice versa with Trey Young. We got all yeah. his pictures in a Mavericks hat. It's stupid. It's yeah. just stupid. I hate that. I hate you that. think Woj and Shams need to chill with the. Uh with naming the picks. I mean, they're already on pick eight when ESPN's on pick number five. I was so <laughs> mad. And I think this year it bothered me even more because we were actually doing a show while the draft was going on. So we're trying to be live. We're trying to be current. We're trying to go pick by pick. And we're like, bro, the comment section is telling us one thing. Oh yeah, we're on pick four. Shams is breaking trade, like four, pick four trades. He's already, I'm like, come on, bro. Like they're still talking about LaMelo ball on the screen right <laughs> now. And Shams is saying the Wizards take Denny Abdia at now. I'm like, how do we even get here that fast? So, they need to be boycotted off of social media. Yeah, they really do. Oh, I'm with you, too. Well, yeah. we appreciate you joining us, man. Of course. I mean, you've been busy this past week. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks, I know bro. Washington football team made the food taste a little better yesterday. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was, that was <laughs> such a beautiful feeling, man. Just a good feeling to see. And those guys balled out, too. Like, Antonio Gibson has been incredible. That defense was flying around. It's it's always good to be Dallas. Hugh, I'm watching that. I'm watching that game yesterday, and there are so many NFL teams that are quarterback away. But you look at Washington, and you're like, if you can get another receiver outside of McLaurin, you got mm-hmm. the running back in Gibson. The D line is as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. You should have Landon Collins in the back end. I mean, they got they got some pieces there. They really are quarterback away, and that also is a testament to how amazing this Alex Smith story has been. Mm-hmm. Because yesterday he it looked like he was especially slinging that rock yesterday. Like yesterday he looked really sharp. You know so, who was you know who was the happiest yesterday? Who? You know who was the happiest? The Disney writers. The Disney writers are kicking back right now. Oh, they're just they're just adding lines to that Alex Smith movie script every single chance they get. Oh, it's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be the best. It might be one of the best stories in all of sports. Honestly, you gotta get you gotta get Ryan Gosling to play Alex Smith. They're <laughs> spitting images. That's an absolutely. Oscar, that's an Oscar waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's you, a well, good one. Look, go watch the Gonzaga game. Start scouting Jalen Suggs because I want the Wizards to get him. It's funny you said that because I they played what yesterday? Yeah, or, was it yesterday? Yeah, against Kansas. Against Kansas, yep. they played against Kansas, and I my plan for today was after this podcast, I'm going to go and uh, legally go find the the replays of the games that I missed yesterday and uh, go back and watch them college basketball. So yeah, I'm definitely going to see him. 
There you go. I, I mean, this might be Gonzaga's year because Mark Fuse always missed that five star, and now he's got it. So yeah, he's a yeah. That that team is crazy. They're always crazy, but this year especially. Absolutely. Well, Q, thanks again, man. All right, thanks have a good weekend. Me, we'll talk to you soon. Sportsbook you next week. We'll make a day. Sportsbook next week. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, I'm down. Let's do Come it. On. All right, to we'll blow some money. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Q. That was Quentin Mayo once again. Nice enough to join us here on a little Thanksgiving holiday. Talk mm-hmm. a little NBA draft. That seems like forever ago. I know. <laughs> so long ago. Um, but I thought he brought up some great points. Jalen Smith out of Maryland, when he was on the board for the Wizards, made a lot of sense. And just the fit personnel-wise, the defense that he plays, how he can stretch the defense with his shooting. So good for Phoenix to get him at number 10. Um I've told you I, I would have loved Obi at nine if the Knicks didn't take him. Um, but Denny, I, with these European kids, like you said, it, people that say they know, they don't know. Okay, yeah. only only the coaches and the teammates who play with them in Europe truly know. You're looking for the next Luca and the next Dirk and the next Porzingis, but you just don't know. So you take a flyer on a kid because of his potential, and you hope he pans out. And that's really what the draft is. I mean, it, you look every year, there's so many guys who we look at as sure things and then they don't do anything in the league. So it, it's just another added element when it's an international guy and nobody's really seen him ever, except for, like you said, a select few guys, but one of those select few guys is Omri Cashby. And that's who I was referencing when I mentioned a Q that you got guys who are saying he'd be a perfect fit here or there or he compares to this player. He said he'd be perfect with the Warriors and, and, stuff like that. That was one of the reasons why people thought the Warriors might have traded back a few picks to go get him because of the word from Omri Cashby where they would have a leg up on other teams because they had the inside knowledge on Denny. So there's just so many extra added elements of uncertainty when it's an international guy. But hey, Q says that he's a <laughs> Goran Dragic type and we saw how important that I'll guy take, was for the Heat's yeah. run to I'll the title. that. Better yeah. believe it. And again, I'm- not a Wizards fan, but friends with so many guys who are Wizards fans. I hope they do well. I like to see them do well. So for me personally, I don't have a team in the NBA. I kind of adopted the Hawks after Bruno Fernando and Kevin Herter got drafted there. But it's been the one league where I always just like want to sit back, watch and see everybody do well and just have a great, great parody in the league, a lot of excitement. And he touched on it. We have that. There's no more pushovers, really. It's no more yeah. pillow fight for the eight seed. It's it's a it's starting to cage balance match. its, it's way a, out. It's a steel cage match uh, now yeah, for the The AC. super teams have kind of died down a little bit, especially this year. We had no huge free agent acquisitions. We'll see what Giannis does next year and some other free agents. We'll see if Brooklyn can get Harden. But for right now, the balance of the power is kind of starting to trend up. But like we said with Q, as long as the Lakers stay healthy, uh, yeah, I don't see how anybody beats them. We talked to Q, though, about his football team, the Washington football team. They got a big win yesterday against Dallas. We both like Dallas to win and to cover, but this is what Dallas does. They go on the road, they beat <laughs> Minnesota, they tease you. They're like, Dallas look good. They stop the run. They look good on offense, but, boy, did they, did they lay a stinker yesterday. And the game did change when the 2-0 lineman got hurt. I mean, that obviously – that, that really threw a wrench into things, but – Give Washington credit because the defense was still fully healthy. And Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson, McLaurin, they were running all kinds of trick plays. They really, really played well. Credit to them. Um, But, Joe, the NFC East, you know, it's interesting because Washington now has the tiebreaker over Dallas. But the Giants have the tiebreaker over them. And they've already beaten the Eagles once, and they get them later on in the season. It's like Washington, you know – 
I kind of almost like the Giants a little bit. They have I the do. Bengals I like the Giants. Week. The defense, man, is really playing well. And Daniel Jones shows flashes. He there's Daniel so many- Jones is not, not a good quarterback. But he shows flashes. But he I is mean, good enough to show flashes. He's good and he's good enough to show flashes at the right time to win a division at six and ten. It's fair. That's what he could be really good at. <laughs> you wish they just they had Saquon. I mean that just Yes. Yes. I mean, look, if you if you look at the NFC East as a whole, the whole season, the Giants have been consistently the best of the bad bunch because right, right. you you start getting it in their schedule. All right. They were dominated by the Steelers to open the season, only lost by 10. That game wasn't as close as the score indicated. They lose by four to the Bears after shutting them out in the second half after starting to struggle early. That was after Saquon got hurt in that game. They got shellacked by the Niners. Nothing salvageable there. They were in a last possession situation against the Rams. They were down a score. They had the ball. They lost to the Cowboys by a field goal in the game that Dak got hurt, but they were right there and probably should have won that game. They beat Washington. They lost to the Eagles in a game that they would have won on Thursday night if Evan Ingram caught that ball for the first down. They lost by one point. They lose to the Bucs at the very end. They missed what would have been the game-tying two-point conversion. They beat Washington. They beat the Eagles. They've been in every single game except for two. So yeah. they've been right there. And you got to think they win this week. So you, I mean, against Brandon Allen, not even Finley, who was so bad against Washington in relief of, of Joe Burrow, that they go to the third string. So you got to believe they win this week. They're going to probably lose the next, I want to say, two after that. They play at the Seahawks, and they, then they host the Cardinals. But then they host the Browns. I mean, the Browns are the best team in the league if they're playing in Cleveland in a monsoon. We know that right. in three, you know, the right. last three weeks. Uh, and that's been free money betting the unders in those games. I've taken in our pick segment. You look yeah. at the weather in Cleveland, you see a monsoon, bet the under. That's it. It's true. Um, and uh, they, they play Cleveland. Then they go at the Ravens, probably a loss. And they're home to Dallas. So they probably have three more wins on their schedule. And that's probably going to be enough. And even if it's only two wins, even if they lose to the Browns, fine. The Browns are a better team. Even if they lose to the Browns, those two wins might be enough at six and 10 to win the division because they have the tiebreakers on Washington. And it's, it's a mess. I hate the NFC East. I hate that we're even talking about a team winning the division at six and 10, but it's possible. Washington's schedule too. They still got Seattle, San Francisco. They got Pittsburgh next week. So you got to think those are three losses right there. They still got the Eagles on the road. So great win yesterday. Washington has put themselves in the driver's seat. When you go into December, that's all you can ask for. But when you look down the stretch at the opponents and stuff, and Dallas is the easiest easiest schedule, believe it or not, remaining. And they might get the Ravens with RG3, which is their toughest game left. So yeah. who knows if Dallas could get on a run and, uh, and win the case. So this division is still very much a free-for-all. But great showing for Washington yesterday. And as we talked with Q, I mean, getting the quarterback position right in the NFL is obviously everything. But And there are so many teams like Chicago who are a quarterback away if they can just get that piece. But, man, Washington, I mean, if Gibson's going to be the guy we saw yesterday, we know what McLaurin is, that defense is the real deal. They get a quarterback. I mean, especially in that division. Look out for, uh, look out for Washington. Absolutely. And now next week we'll start uh, really getting into the playoff picture. I think next week we could pretty much safely – Marker it in now on our uh, our rundown for the show that next week we will outline every playoff situation because the calendar will switch over to December and that's when it gets real. So next yeah. week 
a lot of talk about the NFL postseason, especially with the seven teams now and things starting to heat up. This week's going to tell us a lot. This week is going to shed some light on a lot of things, just the way the matchups break. Uh, we're going to know if the Vikings can stay in the mix in the North with a win at home over the Panthers after losing to the Cowboys last week. We're going to know um, in the AFC South, the Titans and the Colts play each other again. We're going to know more in the AFC as far as the whole playoff picture, if the Bills can beat a Chargers team, that's dangerous. Uh, the yeah. Raiders, tougher matchup than people realize, I think, on the road against the Falcons. Can they keep pace in the I wild agree. card picture? Dolphins at home against the Jets. PJ, I can't believe I'm saying this as many times as I've picked against the Jets with massive spreads this year, but I think the Jets beat the Dolphins at home this week. So the Dolphins, where do they fall into the playoff picture then next week when we're talking about it? Do the Steelers and Ravens even play? Uh, there's so much that's going to get answered this week. Don't so sleep next on... week is next week's the perfect week to really go through the whole playoff situation. Don't sleep on uh, Cleveland at Jacksonville either. That line's I'm, a I'm little taking stinky. a nap on it. I'm, I'm taking a nap on it. I, I, I would have said that if Luton was starting and DJ Shark was healthy and uh, and they had another receiver. I forgot which one it was. Is also out now. Oh, Conley. Conley's out as well. So if those guys were healthy. I would have. I thought the Jaguars were going to upset them this week, but now that it's Mike Glennon with those two guys out, uh, I don't. I'm not paying attention to that game anymore. So. Arizona at New England too is another one. Um, yes, Arizona. They obviously need to keep winning to keep pace with that division. And New England, uh, it's it's a tough match. I mean, Belichick against Kingsbury. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's one you got to like if you're New England. So we'll we'll see no, what happens. Exactly. Um, so and the Seahawks then playing the Eagles on Monday night pending what the Cardinals do and pending what the Rams do against the Niners, that game's going to shed light more on two divisions. So just, that's why, you know, we thought about kind of going through the playoff situation this week, but then we looked at the schedule and this week really is going to tell us so much and the calendar changes in December for next week. So we'll dive into the playoffs more next week, but we could finally dive into the playoff for college this week because the first CFP rankings were unveiled. And there were a few things that stood out to me as a bit surprising uh, the biggest one of which was how low BYU was at 14. And that excites me because as soon as that was revealed, their AD should have been on the phone with Washington, with Cincinnati to schedule as many more games as they can to try to shoot up the board a little bit. Yep. I'm with you. BYU is surprising. Georgia at nine. I just, that was like, really didn't make sense. And then Clemson ahead of Notre Dame. Oh, excuse me, ahead of Ohio State. Clemson was three. Ohio State. I bought was four. it. I bought I that. And so did, did, so did Herb Street, who's an Ohio State alum. So I, whenever he says something like that about Ohio State, you know it's you know you could take it with. with uh, but again, value. this is the challenge with 2020, right? Because Ohio State's only played four games. Clemson has played. Uh, they've played eight. They're one. I don't loss. think it's a matter of the games, though. I, I think it's just a matter of. Ohio State has only been tested once by Indiana. And sure, they passed the test in the sense that they won, but they failed the test in the sense that they only won by a score and Indiana gave them a scare. So with that being the freshest thing in the committee's mind, I think it was fine to put Clemson, who's only losses to number two Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence ahead of Ohio State at three. And my buddy and I were talking about this this morning. And to us, the most interesting scenario will be if Florida beats Bama, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, and then um, what they end up doing with either Cincinnati or 
what they do with an undefeated Pac-12 team. So okay, I'll tell you right now, the Pac-12 is getting discarded. In that situation, I think the Pac-12 is just getting discarded. Because- in the scenario I just said, I think Florida, Bama both make it. Assume Ohio State's undefeated therein. And then uh, I think they put Clemson in over Notre Dame because they beat them most oh, absolutely. They'll have Lawrence a- absolutely. and they won the ACC. I think in that scenario that you laid out, they definitely knock out Notre Dame because, again, their win was over Clemson with Uyunglele, and that would be overturned by then losing to Clemson. Correct. So Florida's losses to Texas A&M, who's also in the mix, if they then go and beat Bama, I definitely would say Florida is more impressive than Notre Dame. Because, look, it's not like you're picking a team that's got two losses over a team that's got one. In that situation, you're looking at one loss Bama, one loss Notre Dame, one loss Clemson, undefeated Ohio State is in the clear, and then one loss Florida. So then you just start saying, all right, whose loss is the best loss? And, excuse me, who's – well, you go whose loss is the best loss or you go whose win was the weakest of the wins. And in that case, maybe Notre Dame has the claim to the best of the losses, losing to Trevor Lawrence Clemson, depending on what the score is. But their win is also probably the weakest in that sense because their, their signature win is also probably the weakest because you beat Uyunglele barely in overtime at home. So in that situation, I'd probably put Florida. I, I'd probably agree with you. The two SEC teams, Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah, I just, at the Pac-12, I mean, USC's won, but they haven't looked impressive. Oregon's undefeated, but they almost lost to UCF. You just, mm-hmm. they, they, they just don't look like dominant teams, and they need to be that. Now, the other team, obviously, that's alive is Northwestern as well. I don't think any of us expect them to beat Ohio no. State, but uh, if they go undefeated, run the table, they're obviously in as well. And Absolutely. Mention it some things. And the question with Cincinnati is, is running the table enough or do they have to run the table by including BYU on their schedule? Oh, they I don't know. 100% need BYU. And even yeah, then, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it's enough. They I don't think help. their schedule, I don't think their schedule is strong enough to say run the table and you get in as a, as a, a group five team. I think you have to add BYU and still get help. Like you said, um, out of that group, that's currently in the top four, you probably need Notre Dame to lose twice once in the regular season and i do personally think we'll find out when we release this episode tomorrow but i personally am on north carolina today outright so in that scenario that's something that's good for cincy because notre dame's out of the equation because they're probably going to also lose to clemson in the title game so they've got two losses correct ohio state clemson bama are your top three in this scenario right so you need a and m to lose somewhere along the line and you need bama to beat florida if that happens, and since he runs the table, including BYU, that's a scenario where they get in because Notre Dame with two losses gone. A and M, again, they have to lose somewhere else in the regular season. Two losses gone. Florida losing SEC title game against Bama. Two losses gone. Now, going down the list, you run into the next team being undefeated, Cincinnati at seven. So there is a pathway for them. But I think it has to be BYU. I think BYU has to enter the equation. So you don't think um, – do you think Cincinnati can get in over Texas A&M if A&M doesn't lose any more games? Do you it think they can jump in? Florida does. If, if Florida runs the table and Florida's only other loss is to Bama in the title game, I don't know because that's still – 
that's so impressive from A&M to have beaten Florida, a two-loss Florida team with losses to A&M and Bama. I think A&M still has to get put in uh, over Cincy with mm. one loss. It's See, tough, that, that to that, me would be, would be a really interesting debate because you could have your scenario where Notre Dame loses twice or Notre Dame just wins out, and then Clemson's yeah. obviously out. So if that were to happen, you'd have Notre Dame, Bama wins out, Ohio State wins out. Who's the fourth team? Is it A&M or is it Cincinnati? Mm. I would love to see Cincy. Yeah, I'm with that, you. I'm I just don't know you. that they'll do it unless they play right. BYU. Right. See, A&M obviously needs help, but they're almost in a good spot if they um, don't lose a game the rest of the season because they won't play in the SEC title game. So they yeah. don't – like Bama years ago, when they didn't have to play and they ended up getting in, they got some help. But uh, A&M not playing in that SEC championship game, they'll need either an undefeated Notre Dame or a two-loss Notre Dame, and then they, uh, they have a shot. But, yeah, Notre Dame's win against Clemson really hurt. A&M and, uh, and Cincinnati, absolutely. Absolutely. And we talked about Notre Dame possibly losing to North Carolina. That's a good transition into our best bets of the week because, PJ, that is on your list. So it is, Joe. Off. Well, look, I like a money line, so you better believe I like them plus five. Joe, in college, since the college football playoffs started, really right around the rankings time, there seems to always be a big upset. Mm-hmm. And in this Friday spot on Thanksgiving, it always seems like a top team is playing and they're always tested. I remember Miami, when they had the number two team, lost to Pitt and like a noon game or whatever. UNC's offense is the real deal. If you haven't seen them, Sam Howe, quarterback. They got two really good running backs, great receivers. And Mac Brown's just so good in the underdog role. Notre Dame, I think, is built to be a really good team. They're great on the offensive line and D-line. Ian Book's playing really well, but... UNC almost upset North Carolina at home last year. I think they upset Notre Dame at home this year, and then the playoff chaos really begins. I don't love my number five pick because it involves a lot of uncertainty and me picking against my team, but I'm going to do it anyway. Indiana minus 11 and a half home against Maryland. Um, Maryland hasn't played in two weeks, and the Maryland reporters have kind of laid out like when they, there's no names to name, obviously, because of privacy rules, but there is, they laid out that like a batch of like 23 guys is not eligible to play based on contact tracing and positive tests. So just think about this for a second. You got a roster of 90 guys. Is it possible that players 67 through 90 are the 23 that are on the list and it doesn't affect the game? Sure. Is it more likely that they probably have a few starters missing? Yes. Um, I was stunned to see this game open at 14 and a half and move towards Maryland at 11 and a half. I think that's just people thinking back to Maryland winning twice as massive dogs against Minnesota and Penn state. But the fact of the matter probably is looking back on it. Those are just horribly issued spreads because Minnesota is not good. Penn state's still winless. So it was less Maryland pulled massive upsets and more Vegas didn't get the line right in those games by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I think, 11 and if you're giving me I said if this game was anything this side of two touchdowns just because of the uncertainty I think there could be tremendous value because all of a sudden if we get the kickoff tomorrow and Talia Tungvaloa is out and Rakim Jarrett's out and all these guys are out well then you're looking at a game that probably should have been a 28 point spread in that case so I'll, I'll take the 11 and a half on Indiana my number four I'm going to the Iron Bowl the over 62 and a half Bama has scored 35 or more points in 20 straight games. 
It's an wow. FBS record. 30, SEC no longer the defense conference. No longer. 35 <laughs> more points. So you got to figure Bama will give you 40. If Auburn can give you in the 20s, you got to like it at 62 and a half. There's supposed to be a little bit of rain, but Najee Harris is one of the best backs in the country. I don't think the offense will suffer. Joe, I'm still not sold on the Bama defense. I, I'm sorry, but pitching a shutout against Mississippi State and holding Kentucky to three points doesn't exactly uh, fix the issues in my eyes. Auburn's going to keep this game close in the first half. Malzahn always in the Iron Bowl at Tuscaloosa. He'll fake a punt. He'll run some trick plays like we saw from the Texans yesterday. He'll do something to try and steal points, steal a possession. They'll keep it close. It's a rivalry game. Bama pulls away late in the second half. So because of that, I think you get a lot of second half scoring from the Tide. Auburn trying to keep pace, maybe a late garbage touchdown or two. But I, I think the over at 62 and a half is a really good play. Not much to my next pick. Um, in the MAC, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, over 59. The over is 11 and 5, dating back to last season in the last 16 games in Central Michigan games. This season, every game they're in is just a shootout. Uh, I think this one covers easy. I think this one probably covers over 80, but I'll take over 59 for this one. Nice. Uh, my number three, we mentioned it a little bit in the NFL. This is just strictly just because of the coaches. New England plus two against Arizona. Uh, you know, Kingsbury's done a really good job, and he's got a great offense, but he's just going up against Belichick. Arizona's got to travel across the country, play a 10 a.m. game their time. And New England coming off a loss, I just feel like they're going to run the ball against Arizona, and they're just going to play complimentary football. You'll have Gilmore on Hopkins, so that'll neutralize them as well as anybody can neutralize Hopkins. Larry Fitzgerald's out because of COVID, huge loss for them in that game. And again, with these running quarterbacks, you know, Belichick just has a way. We saw him, uh, you know, it was obviously crappy weather against the Ravens, but he was able to neutralize Lamar running. I think he'll be able to do that with Kyler as well. I just like the Pats at home plus two. And for my third game, quirky week with the schedule with Thanksgiving and when we could get Q um, games on Friday, slated games on Friday. So we submitted our picks to each other yesterday. We, I tweeted them out this morning. Uh, we're at halftime of the game as we're recording this, but I have Texas pick them over Iowa State, and Texas is up 13-10 at the half. So, so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, my number two, Joe, my top two picks, I both will, I'm going to take the points, but I both like outright upsets. We talked about it. I think Atlanta is going to beat Vegas this week. Vegas is a good team. They really are. But I think because of how well they played against the Chiefs, people are going to see that, and they're going to be like, wow, that's a good team. And a lot of people liked Atlanta as a dog against New Orleans last week, and they did not play well. So I think a week removed, Atlanta at home. When Atlanta doesn't have a lot of people backing them is when they're at their best. <laughs> and uh, I just I think at home getting three is a good spot for them. I like the Falcons. I like that pick. And just quick, going back to my Texas pick, my reasoning on that was simply uh, while Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger have been paired together at Texas – they don't do things consistently, but one thing they do consistently well is beating other ranked teams at home, or at least putting on a really good show against them. So felt, felt like I would ride with them at home in a pick -em. Number two for me, uh, last week we had mentioned that the Denver only getting three at home against Miami was a very fishy line. Uh, this week they're home again as dogs, five and a half against New Orleans. But New Orleans is one of the legit Super Bowl contenders. Miami was kind of a wild card contender. Uh, so Taysom Hill, there were questions about him last week, but he proved himself and 
Denver still only barely got out of that Miami game on a classic patented crunch time gunslinger interception by Ryan Fitzpatrick in yeah. the end zone. So uh, I'm getting five, I'm giving five and a half only. So six covers, seven covers. Give me the Saints by a touchdown on the road against Denver. Joe, your upset of the NFL weekend will be San Francisco is going to beat the Rams. So you better believe I love like Kyle Shanahan off of a bye. Was too Not afraid even to pick that. it. Was it's too afraid sp- to pick it, but love it. It's the spot because the Rams just played Seattle at home in a huge game they won, and then they just got prime time Monday night road win against the Bucks. And they next Thursday, um, they have the uh, they have the Patriots upcoming after this game. So they uh, are in two weeks. I just and Shanahan off a bye. McVay and Shanahan is going to kind of be the Tomlin and Harbaugh of their era. These two are going to go at it for the next decade plus. And uh, I just, I love San Fran in this spot. Last time we saw them against um, New Orleans, they played well enough to cover the spread. They didn't. But look, I mean, it's the JV 49ers, but these guys still want to play well. They still want to keep their jobs. They got something to prove. And I just think it's such a good letdown spot for the Rams. I think San Francisco is going to win the game outright, but at plus seven, absolutely love it. I like it. I like it a lot. And the big thing here too is just getting Mostert back. I mean, this offense is predicated on that type of running back and they get him back this week too. So a lot of things go in your favor here. There's only the only pick of yours that I disagree with this week, New England, Arizona. Other than that, I like your slate. Um, Number one for me. And again, this is just, I think, situation on the on the road um people might be back at a desperate eagles team but seattle minus four and a half against the eagles the eagles are just bad they are horrendous the <laughs> nfc East, anytime pj advice for the rest of the season depending on how spreads work out if you can get a non-nfc east team against an nfc east team under a touchdown take it just take it and see what happens. Don't ask NFC questions. West team. Just take it. NFC no, any 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 non-NFC East team. If they're if you're playing an NFC East team and you're not in the NFC East, whether it's an AFC North NFC. team or a, or an NFC South team, if you're a non-NFC East team playing an NFC East team and you're not having to lay any more than a touchdown, just take it. Don't ask questions and see what happens. Only four and a half on the road against a bad Philly team, a Seahawks team that's fighting for the West. And look good against the Cardinals the other night. Give me the Seahawks. If I'm Doug Peterson, I really think about playing Jalen Hurts a lot this game. Seattle's defense. That's even a question. If that's even a question, it just shows you the situation that the Eagles are in right now. And again, if you're only laying less than a touchdown against an NFC East team, you take it. I know. (laughs) That's going to be off the top of my head in the upcoming schedule when the Browns play the Giants, when. Uh, who else? When the Ravens play the Cowboys and the Giants, you get a non-NFC East team. If they're laying less than a touchdown, it's going to be in my slate every time. <laughs> I, I Look, it's the right side. If I were to bet the game, let's put it this way, I wouldn't bet Philly. I just know that everybody's going to be on Seattle, and that always worries me when everybody is on Seattle. But, I mean, it's the right spot. The way the Eagles are playing, the way the Wentz is playing – not. And the Seahawks are fully motivated. They're trying to win their division. The Rams yep. just keep winning, so they got to keep pace with them. Look, so, so are the Eagles. The Eagles are also trying to win their division. But saying. the Eagles are bad. The Eagles are just bad. 
So you got two teams trying to win their respective divisions. One's a great team and a great division trying to win. And one's a bad team and a horrible division trying to win. And it's only four and a half. So I'll take the it. interesting thing to watch with the NFC East is starting to see the motivation level because mm-hmm. the jump from w- winning the division and making the playoffs to what your draft pick would I be know. if you don't is going to be like 10 spots. So at what point does a team like the Eagles be like, look, we're so banged up. But here's the thing. Players don't say that. Players players don't don't say that. No, they don't. And and you got Peterson who all of a sudden is coaching for his job. And you have a situation in Philly with the cap coming down next year because of COVID. And with all these contracts, they probably want to blow it up in terms of upper management from the coach down to the players. They probably want to blow it all up. But the players are fighting for division. So you can't really be thinking about drafting. So it's just a weird dynamic. Like they could be picking seventh or they could be picking in a playoff spot. So it's, right. it's wild. It is wild. All right, Joe, trivia. What's wild is that you've overtaken me with this lead. Nice, Ten and a half to nine and a half. And I'm not happy about it. Um, all right. I'll give you my question for you first. Okay. College basketball oriented. Um, let's see how much you've been paying attention. There are right. four teams in college basketball's original top 25 rankings that original made, as in like like two weeks ago is right like this season yeah yeah like the okay. first rankings uh that four teams in the ap top 25 that are not power five teams so that's acc big 10 big 12 pac 12 and uh acc big 12 pac 12 sec and big 10 so those five conferences, outside of those five, there are four teams in the top 25 who are ranked. Can right. you name those four? All right. Gonzaga. Yes. Of course. Gonzaga is easy. That's a freebie. <laughs> um, gosh, this is tough because uh, you said Big East counts? I always forget. The Big, Big East, East does not Big count. doesn't count. They don't count. So Creighton's in there. Yes. And Villanova's in there. You need one more. Yeah, so who's the last? So one? this was the one. It all comes down to one. Uh, all oh, right. it does. I, I, I don't think there's anybody else ranked in the Big East. So Creighton, Nova. Got 60 seconds left. Um, Marquette's down this year. I don't think it's on the Big East team. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Who's a surprising team that's ranked? Um, Five. Who's a team that is annually kind of like, oh, forgot about them, but like they're good. Um, Dayton lost Obi. They're not going to be ranked. Is there anybody in the A10 who's good this year? Rhode, is Rhode Island ranked? I've seen they're them on a bunch. They're not ranked. All right. Nope. 25 not seconds, Obi. one strike. Mm. It's not them. I don't think there's anybody in the A10. Oof. I don't think I'm going to get this. The last one's going to trip me up. Mm. I'm just going to say another Big East team and say Butler. I don't know. Got one strike. Uh, Throwaway pick here. Um, BYU. BYU in there? No. The last team was Houston, the Cougars. Oh, gosh. I knew that, too. With Oh, my God. They got talent. They got Grimes. They got a lot of talent. All right. Oh, well. Caleb Mills. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good one. I like that. Uh, I like it. That was a good one. I'll give you that. Uh, also, college basketball question for you. We always know who the number one pick is every year. We're all, all talking about that. But 
not necessarily the number one pick is the guy who wins college basketball's Heisman being the Naismith Award. It's always someone who is kind of under the radar, just has a great season for their team, get a lot of seniors in there, not necessarily top picks. So in the last seven years, I want you to give me five of the guys who have won the Naismith. Last seven years. Okay. So Obi's one. Obi is one of them. Um, so four Zion's more. one. Two. Um, last seven years. All right, let's see. Is Denzel Valentine last seven years? He did not win it. He did not he win it. He has the last seven years, but he did not win it. So that's strike one. Okay. Oh, I thought Denzel won it. Oh, Buddy Healed. Buddy Healed won. Uh, Give me one more. Kansas? Like Frank Mason or uh, did Marvin Bagley win it? Or 30 seconds gone. 30 seconds left? Gone. So you got oh, a minute okay. left. Okay. Um, Kentucky. Yeah, nobody can 45 play. seconds left. Only one strike. Florida, Georgia, Gonzaga. Ooh, Tennessee. Grant Williams. No, I don't think he did. Now you got thirty seconds left. Okay. Um, I'll say Frank Mason. He did. There you go. Twenty seventeen. Nice. All right, nice we're back man. even. Ten and a half to ten and a half. The last there we seven go. years. Going back the last seven years, uh, you got Doug McDermott, Creighton, Frank uh, Kaminsky, Wisconsin, Buddy Heal, Oklahoma, Frank Mason, Kansas, Jalen Brunson, Villanova, and then Zion and Obi. Bronson. True, true. Yeah, good one. Grant Williams, I was seriously considering. I knew he won SEC Player of the Year, but I didn't know about the country. Um, that's a good one. I liked it. All right. We're tied yeah. in trivia. We are after the Thanksgiving Day special. I went 1-1. One one. You went 0-2. Oh We're tied in best bets. So we are. We're tied across the board, PJ. Tied across the board, Joe. Good luck to you in your Texas-Iowa State game. Let's go Cyclones. <laughs> Bring it home. <laughs> Very nice. I'm watching Thanks it right now. I got it up on the TV. Yep. Just started Thanks. the second half. I got a three-point lead. <laughs> there you go. Thanks to Quentin Mayo for joining us. Always good to get his expertise about the Wizards and the draft. Again, next time we'll come back. Uh, college football playoff of, picture will be a yep. little clear NFL week. playoff picture. Big week next week for previewing the NFL playoff picture for us. Big week. We got a whole lot of answers. Like, like we ran through the schedule. We got a whole lot of answers to questions this week. And that picture becomes a lot clearer. Still murky, still very murky, but clearer next week. And, and the cal- as soon as the calendar turns to December, PJ, that's when it's on. It's that's when out, the cream yeah. rises to the top, and that's when guys like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens start to fade. Wow, <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> uh, the worst, the worst one I saw last night. And again, you know that I got nothing against the Ravens and Lamar. I just give you and Worm a hard time. Yeah, and it, I don't. The worst like- one. The worst one I saw last night is. You can't pass a ball. You can't pass a po. Wow, that's the, the guy could the guy could throw the football. I mean, come I on mean, now. goodness <laughs> me, that was low. That was cold. I was like, I, I give you guys a hard time, but I won't go that far. Like, can't pass a ball, can't pass a COVID test. But well, Joe, look, I most hope everything's okay with the Ravens. Yeah, I think they're in real danger season. of forfeiting this week. And then if they got to play a game with RG three. God help us. So, I mean, Trace McSorley is on the list too. So yeah. it's either RG three or it's Huntley from the Pac twelve from like a couple oh, years ago. God, forgot man. he existed. I yeah. mean, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, this season. I, 
I've told my friends I'm in all college mode. Like I got the tie. <laughs> Bama hoops. I really think could be good this year. Who knows how many how many games we'll play? Hopefully Maryland is surprising this year, and Eric Ayala can kind of return to freshman year. Eric Ayala, but look better than I thought against uh, Old Dominion. We'll see how they do against Navy. Hopefully it continues. All right, Joe. Have a good one. Talk next. You week. too. Next all week. Right. Yep.